I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome to Face to Face. This is a show about change and about what's next. It's a show that wants to ask questions, peel back the layers of our average everyday experience, and go beyond scratching the surface. We interview amazing people with incredible ideas and stories who have done wild, weird, and wonderful things. Remember that imagination shared create collaboration, and collaboration creates community, and community inspires social change. I'm David Peck, and this is Face to Face. My next interview is with Larry Weinstein. He is a, uh, and I'm going to say it, Larry, you're a celebrated Canadian filmmaker, and I'm pretty sure you'd be laughing at that right now for some uh, reason, and I'm not maybe sure why, because it's it's absolutely true through and through for a variety of different reasons, and and it comes out in, in, in our conversation about about Larry's new film, Propaganda, The Art of Selling Lies. Uh, just uh, just dial, uh, is can I say that? Dial dial Larry up on Google. I guess you just, you know, search Larry on Google, and, and check out the filmography. Look, look at his IMD database, and, and and you'll see just how how wide and and deep uh, Larry has gone as a as a filmmaker, as a documentarian, as a as a storyteller. There's no sacred cows, it seems, for Larry. And we had a great time, a wonderful conversation, talking about this new film, Propaganda, going to be premiering at Hot Docs with a theatrical release later in 2019. So make sure you check it out. It's a it's a conversation about a whole lot of things. I mean, we talk about the film for sure. And and by the way, it's a film you're going to want to see. If you can't get to it at Hot Docs, make sure you get to it. Uh, when it's in the theater, and 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 I'm um, almost convinced. I am, well, I know for sure there'll be a VOD, uh, uh, a video on demand uh, release at some point down the road. We we talk about religion as the ultimate propaganda. We we talk about consumerism and in, in, in generic art over you know propaganda as art. Uh, we we talk about um, Mulroney, the opera, a piece that Larry uh, gets into uh, uh, on a whole lot of levels uh, from a creative perspective, but also there's there's something deeply ideological and political and 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 very uh, relevant uh, about this film and and it seems to me about Larry's work we talk about why Donald Trump was was Larry's muse and and reason and skepticism and and, and demagogues and and how emotions and manipulation comes into pretty much everything and 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 how it really is all about how we think we talk about personal responsibility in North Korea and and about uh, you know why we should go a little deeper and, and ask questions so stay tuned coming right up for uh, I, I had a, a blast but uh, coming up a, a real uh, a wonderful uh, interview and conversation with Larry Weinstein uh, talking about his film Propaganda 
Don't forget davidpecklive.com for more information about my writing and my speaking, and, and you can get a hold of me there. Uh, and and uh, check out Face to Face. Go a little deeper. I mean, we are over 430 interviews published now. If you want to advertise on Face to Face, please reach out to me. I'd love for you to support the work we're doing here on Patreon. And if you can't get behind us financially, and I totally get that and understand it, uh, I would love for you to leave a comment or a quote on iTunes or Spotify or something along those lines. Share the podcast with your friends. We've got to sign up for our newsletter. There's a few different ways you can get involved. And don't forget rabble.ca for a whole host of other uh, writers and thinkers and bloggers and podcasters and, and journalists uh, taking you to, to new places and, 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 and giving you an opportunity to step into other people's uh, lives and uh, issues in a, in a really meaningful way. So stay tuned. Don't touch that dial. Coming right up, Larry Weinstein uh, talking about his new film, Propaganda, the Art of Selling Lies. Well, welcome to Face to Face. We're joined by a very special guest here today uh, with us to talk about uh, his new film and, uh, well, and a whole host of other things. And then uh, Larry Weinstein is here with us uh, probably from direct from Toronto. Is that is that right, Larry? That's right. Yeah, well, thanks for joining us today. Oh, my pleasure, David. Thank you for calling so speaking with me. So yeah, well, you know, I I kind of wishing we'd had the record button going about 15 minutes ago actually. It's, <laughs> we've we've already covered a fair bit of ground. So um first up right out of the gate, um uh, Mulrooney the Opera, really? <laughs> speaking of propaganda, yeah, that's right. right. <laughs> uh Mulrooney the Opera? I, yeah, yeah. Um I had worked with um this wonderful composer Alexina Louis mm. and the who I call librettist Dan Redican, who's the the wonderful comic writer who, who was a member of the Frantics and helped write Kids in the Hall, and uh, he's a brilliant guy. And and we made this this short little opera called Toothpaste about a couple who break up over leaving the lid of a of a tooth toothpaste tube off, and then the toothpaste becomes <laughs> crusty. Uh, that's starring Mark McKinney and the opera singer Barbara Hannigan. And it, it was brilliant, and that led that begat something called Burnt Toast, which was eight operas about relationships, mm. um, from from courtship to to the inevitable wife killing her husband for leaving the toilet seat up too many times. So these are comic operas, and then one day we uh, we were thinking with with CBC, who eventually were not part of it, um, we were thinking we should come up with a big art special that that will cause controversy and we ended up coming up with Mulrooney the opera terrified that Brian Mulrooney would find out and, and <laughs> sue us so we called it all through the production it was called politics is cruel which is a lyric from from me. it's fantastic and <laughs> by the, the way folks for those of you who don't know uh, uh Larry is a filmmaker producer writer uh, we're here to talk about his new film propaganda today but this is uh, <laughs> now you're a producer uh, on that film director as well Yes, I, I'm the director of the propaganda film. Yes, yeah. uh, propaganda, the art of selling lies. Uh, I was uh, more of an associate producer and, and um, kind of helped the writers. So I'm not uh, one of the writers. Uh, David Morton and Andrew Edmonds are, but I am the director. And yes, I'm, I'm, I'm the one who kind of helped get it started. And quite the filmography, Larry. Before we, I mean, give us a tiny bit of context here. I mean, it, it's you, 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 you've been around. Yeah, I, I'm, I've been lucky. I was for a very long time. I was with the company Rhombus. I was one of the partners of Rhombus, and and um, I I made this little film called Making Overtures, the story of a community orchestra in 1984, and it, it felt like a little 
flawed home movie, and then I turn around and, and find out one day that it was nominated for an Oscar. <laughs> Wow. And um, <laughs> which is very funny because somebody called me to congrat. I had no idea, and I, I, I fantastic. Got and, Congratulations, and I said, "Oh, thank you so much. She's so cute." And I and because my first child, Ali, had been born, <laughs> who's now a great filmmaker, by the way. Um, and, and they said, "No, no, no, not on the child, on on the Oscar." And I went, "What?" And and so yeah, making that's that's pretty cool. And then I made a film called All That Bach. A lot of my films were music films, and that one was nominated for a primetime Emmy. So I thought, boy, this is easy. You can kind of just make a film and get nominated for major awards. What's so hard about making a movie? I mean, come on. (laughs) And then I just sort of had this dream of making a lot of films about composers that I loved, music that I loved. Um, Some of them were more political, some of them... um, but going back even before that, when I was in high school, I, I made a couple of films. And, and the second film I made, I had made a little spy spoof drama, but, but I made a film, a documentary when I was a teenager. And, and um, instead of writing an essay, I asked my teacher in my media class, can I make a film? And he said, sure. And I said, I'll make sure it has some kind of, I think I said it's some kind of propagandistic aspect. So I had just become a vegetarian, and I was starting to falter. And and felt this craving for meat, so I decided to make a film about a slaughterhouse. Wow! And I I went in as the director and the DOP, and and started filming a lot of slow motion shots of jugular veins being slit and and cow baby unborn baby cows being ripped out of their mother and and into the gelatin pots where they're they're going to use it and makeup and it was quite a and said it, and I, I said it all to the musical Claude Debussy for the wow. juxtaposition, right. and and uh, and it, it, my teacher was so thrilled with it. He showed it to many of the classrooms in my high school, and um, and there were a lot of vegetarians suddenly. And I thought, <laughs> boy, this is powerful. Forget the dramatic stuff. These documentaries, what what strong message? What propaganda? And and then I decided then and there to become a filmmaker. And then, I, sh- I should just mention, I, I, I discovered that my next project after that, which I had totally forgotten about because it was just a, a sound project, it wasn't with image, it, it's called Propaganda Film. Hmm. And it's about films that use propaganda. So it talks about um, Triumph of the Will, which I had just right. seen, and Battleship Potemkin, and, and The Great Dictator with Charlie Chaplin. Like, it's all in there. And, Le- and legal, the Legally Blonde. Better. <laughs> that too, but basically the things the things that are in my uh, present film, uh, I had already been right doing this in 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 the mid seventies, and uh, yeah, just remembering how old I am. So would you yeah. call? Would you call before we step into the film? And by the way, congratulations! So the film is going to be at Hot Docs and then uh, theatrical release. I would imagine we'll probably talk a little bit more about that mm-hmm. uh, later on in the interview. But uh, congratulations yeah. on the film. Loved it. It's it's. Oh, uh, thank you. Yeah, just I mean, I, I I I don't even know where to begin, really. But I'm sure we'll find somewhere. Tell me, w- would people call you uh, uh, based on you know this film you made for school and, and vegetarianism and so on? Um, are you a provocateur? Is that is that a? <laughs> I think my wife would call me that, or, or I think the other word is obnoxious. <laughs> right. um, <laughs> yes. Yeah. I I would say to a certain extent. Yeah. I mean, I I tend to be a bit of contrarian. Sure. I, yep. I, 
I became um, some of my friends are actually evangelical, and I, I'm quite a quite an atheist, so I enjoy doing little jabs all the time and at the nonsensical aspects of uh, an invisible God and all that stuff. Um, so yes, I, I guess so. Although I have to, I'm not obnoxious as a, as a vegetarian. I, I my wife eats meat, and I I love her, and I love that she likes it. <laughs> I did, however, get both my daughters. Uh, I got at them early, and they're both. Vegetarian my my so. my daughter my daughter is vegetarian and it has to do with an image that she saw. Maybe this is a nice little segue in from your yep. film and propaganda and the 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 power it has to to sell in in a variety mm-hmm. of different ways. But was at the ROM Toronto Royal Ontario Museum. I'll never forget it. We come around the corner and here's this sort of shark water a la Rob Stewart photo of fins mm-hmm. out and it was huge. It was this gorgeous mm-hmm. sort of display of different animals and talk about juxtaposition. You know we're seeing these lions and giraffes and on African plains and we come around the corner and there's all these you know cut off uh, what would you call them severed shark fins and the mm. blood and so on and she was horrified Larry like I mean horrified and so into tears and I mean I spent the next uh, few minutes we were chatting and, and trying mm. to come to terms with this kind of evil in the world this was her. how old was she oh she was about six. Oh, I see yeah very so young it, was it did they talk about the sharks being used, uh, the fins being used for shark well, fin soup or something like that? Well, or? well, that's what I talked about because they just gave you this little blurb by the photos, mm-hmm. right? So it was this huge sort of display, and so we we end up mm-hmm. we were with we were with friends as well, so they had to go forward into the museum, and Victoria and I stayed back. She's a she's a pretty committed vegetarian today. She's eleven, and mm. uh, so there you go. The power of the image. Tell me what it what pray tell is propaganda. Do you, do you think you answer that in the film? I'm not sure that I answered that in the film. Um, there's so many takes on it, and mm. now because we interviewed so many people, because um, uh, and, and and could have interviewed so so many more. Oh, I bet. Um, I bet. It's be- hmm? it's become a bit of a blur in my head now. Uh, and and any one of these people, uh, if you want to see the film, have a very concise and 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 precise meaning of it. And there and everybody in the film is smarter than me. So, so <laughs> I'm going to ask you to ask Astrid Taylor. That's right. I'm going to ask yes. you to ask Shepard Ferry, who did the Hope Obama Hope poster. Yeah. Zabo, the right wing. I can't believe some of the people you got. It's really brilliant. <laughs> it's brilliant. Yeah, highway way. It's also a different point of view of sure. what is propaganda sure. because sometimes you assume it's the state, it's the authoritarian yeah. state, it's the demagogue who promotes the propaganda. But as Ai Weiwei says in the film, propaganda is actually the propaganda of an individual against the state. The actual act of art can, because this is a film very much about art and propaganda, right. and, and propaganda is you know, propagated through art and artistic expression. So whether you're talking to Ai Weiwei, who we're, we're actually identifying an artist's name even, is subversive because so much of the art is generic, whether mm. it's the posters or the music by right. committee post-revolution. Or if you speak to someone like Ken Monkman, who's in the film, you know, where he's taking beautiful old art forms and then he's kind of retrofitting them with a different message uh, and a very important message about First Nations and about the scoop and you know and the and the, and the residential schools and and all those evil and then and the fact that that the, the the indigenous people were erased from the Canadian landscape the American landscape and then he's populating it back again um, by by taking their artistic forms and uh, of the 19th century and then and then showing how life really was 
Um, it's it's and, really and that becomes a kind of propaganda. Well, and mm-hmm. it's really interesting too. You know, it just I mean, the, how how you. I mean, I I don't like the analogy of a two two sided coin, even though coins are two sided. So there's a problem there with the analogy. <laughs> but there's so many sort of variations to propaganda. It's like as you say, art and so on. And Jim Fitz, Jim Fitzpatrick really brings that out. You know, the the image, uh, <laughs> Che Guevara, and and just how you know he he sa- I think he says in the film he deliberately created that image as a piece of propaganda. As, That's right. Almost like That's as, right. Su- I, I'm going to call it supportive propaganda, but was, yes. w- but was completely blown away by, by the degree to which it was um, embraced. That's right, because I would say, you know, we're talking about the famous Che Guevara poster, the red and black and white Che Guevara poster with the little yellow And I bet star you everyone that. listening right now can pull up the image. Yeah, yeah, and so the, the amazing thing that people don't know is that that was created by, in 1968, after the murder, the assassination of Che Guevara, that was created by an Irish artist <laughs> who had a few years before met Che Guevara, who came into his bar. Um, Jim Fitzpatrick was this young bartender and, and had a conversation with Che Guevara and then followed him, uh, at least in the news, and found out he had been brutally murdered. And he created that poster, and it's called Viva Che, you know, Live Che. And, and, um, and he said, I, he, you know, they tried to disappear him, mm. as he says, and, and they tried to delete the idea of Che Guevara and what he stood for. And here's this Irish guy who says, who says fuck them, I'm going to make him live again. And, and so there's Che Guevara's image that we all know and is arguably the most famous um, mm-hmm. Icon of them all. Well, what I, I love mean, too more is more famous than Christ images because ta- the Christ images are so varied. Mm-hmm. Talk talk about falling into it as well, right? A bartender uh, mm-hmm. who who also does art, or maybe maybe he was an artist, you know, and just had a part time job as a bartender. Maybe that's what I really. <laughs> I think was. he was supporting his art job. <laughs> that's yeah. right. I mean, he's done a lot of. Um, of record covers, he's he's very uh, interested in, in in graphic novels and comic books and and has illustrated things and is extremely talented. The things don't look like this. This is very. This was uh, an inspiration. It was it was inspired by the Corda photo of of Che Guevara, but he took it further. He it's... he changed the hair a little bit. He had the eyes rise. This is something that actually is in the film, but. Because he was raised a Catholic and saw many images of saints who have mm. eyes raised upward to heaven, uh, he made Che's eyes, uh, his irises are ra- are raised a little bit, looking upwards, because he thought of him as something of a saint. What? And then he made the image available to any leftist or revolutionary cause. So he makes no money from that most famous of images. I love how he talks about uh, seeing that image used in the most unlikely of places, and and <laughs> and, and I think you, you toilets in Japan. Yeah, you have a nice little montage there. I think in the film. So yeah. so, I think right out of the gate we start with you know some really interesting sort of establishing shots, cross cut quickly, sort of giving us this almost this um, buffet of, of propagandistic <laughs> ideas, I suppose, and images. And, and then we, we go to this, this idea that it's essential for the modern state. Can you, can you talk a bit about that? Essential for the modern state. This is something that uh, the, this, this propaganda expert, David Welsh, refers to. The, the fact that you mean it's something that should be embraced in a way? Well, yeah, that, 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 that it all, to me, the, the, the implication is we, we couldn't live without it. 
right? Well, I think the case is that it's it's everywhere. It's 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 you, omnipresent. And yeah, yes, exactly. And and so I'm scared I'm going to mispronounce a word like Trump does. <laughs> His big word this year, this this week was the word origin, which he said orange instead. And oh, man. Him, tried to pronounce anonymous. Um, so I'm avoiding any word more than two syllables. I always try. Um, I, I actually will sometimes use misunderestimate. Which I believe, which I believe was, which I believe was George Bush's. I'm pretty sure, but I'd have to do a little bit of research on that. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it is everywhere. So the thing is, do you embrace it? Do you, do you, do you sort of just be able to assess what it is and what it represents and where it comes from? And and um, I, th- I think you know the message of this film. I think ultimately is you have to kind of just be able to separate yourself and mm-hmm. be cynical, be skeptical of of right. this stuff, and not not jump into it. Be very careful about new media. Be very, I mean, I mean, social media and and how you use it, and because it might be set up to you know have happy messages and puppies and and smiling faces to friends, or it can be used to promote a genocide and, right. and create a genocide in, in in places. It's it's really tricky. It's a slippery slope. I mean, that's a big jump, but the fact you, is, it's true. You sort of tell us right at the beginning, too, maybe 10 or 12 minutes in, this is a cautionary tale, uh, mm-hmm. and it's a call to action. And, and, and yeah. what would you say that, that CTA is? I mean, I certainly have my, my sense after seeing the film. Well, I'd love to. You know, it's funny. Very few people have seen the film yet. Right, and of course. Was, yeah. And I'm terrified. When we finished it, we, we it was a very intense thing to make this film, and it, and it involved a lot of people, and we edited it very quickly, and it was like this rush. It was partly it's partly designed as a stream of consciousness, mm-hmm. but it's it's this. And I thought, have we created a big? indecipherable mess is this, oh, is this, so in a way i'd rather hear your yeah answer to that what you yeah sure is. sure well i mean just sort of you know to your point about being skeptical and and kind of questioning everything i mean to me and it and it actually does come up it does bubble up in in the film near the end but this is about responsibility right mm-hmm. this, is, this is about choice this is about stepping into issues and this is about having a conversation and being willing to to peel back the layers and not just, you know, uh, you know, um, you know, allowing ourselves to be misdirected, yes. you know, and, and, and that takes, that takes effort. That's, yeah. you know, yeah, you can maybe, you can't t- be complacent. You can't yeah. be complacent. And, and yeah. so how do we continue to shock ourselves and others in our communities out of our complacency? And that's a, I mean, how do you be, how do you be consciously aware of your unconscious bias? I mean, that's it's, right. It's, that's got crazy. Thing, yes. Right. Well, it's also enjoy. You know, when I when 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 we all start developing our own Schadenfreude towards you know the other side, mm-hmm. um, and I have to say when 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 Trump, who I'm not a great fan of, as you can tell from the film, mm-hmm. nor am I a great fan of Hitler nor Stalin. Well, those are the three that are mentioned quite. Those a lot. are the three biggies, and we'll talk a bit about your your motivation. Can I just just interject? I forget who it was, but one of the artists. <laughs> Who referred to Trump's face as being like rubber or pudding? I guess melting. was melting pudding. Yes, <laughs> it was the funniest it's, line I think I've ever yeah. heard. That was hysterical. Well, that's the thing. I, you know, I, I talk about one of the things in the in the in the film. And the conclusion is you have to look at 
parentheses of with a sense of humor yes, and, and, yes. and wit, and, and you have to value satire. Um, and that's Barry Blitz, who right. is a, um, a political cartoonist. Uh, he's a cartoonist. He doesn't even consider himself to be political, but he happens to have done the most political covers on the New Yorker magazine of anyone. And he's been tasked with making a lot of drawings of Donald Trump. And, and he says he, it's incredible drawing him, the back of his head, his colors, the fact that his face is kind of melting like pudding and, and, <laughs> and, and you know, the, the, the joy. He has. Oh yeah, um, clearly taking a lot of pleasure in that. Yeah, yeah he's Canadian. He's Montreal born. Oh, he okay. was educated at uh, the uh, OCAD in Toronto, and I saw his work when he worked for Toronto Life Magazine. I mm. don't know how many mm. years ago, probably twenty five. And I always was this this fan of Barry Blitz, and and always wanted to meet him. And I also wanted to make a film on on political cartoons and um, through through the centuries. I, it was sort of a thing in my head. Uh, I wanted to be a political cartoonist when I was a teenager, and I decided to do film because, in fact, I didn't really know how to draw at all, so right. how did I do that? Right. Um, <laughs> and so he was this kind of avatar for me. I would look at Barry Blitz's drawings and just go, oh, that's great, that's great. And politically, we have very similar views, and, and I finally got to meet him. He's this wonderful, self-effacing guy who uh, is was living in in this place in Connecticut in the house of formerly the house of 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 uh, Arthur Miller and Marilyn mm. Monroe. Wow. Which we don't bring up in the film, but but it's kind of neat. You can kind of still smell Marilyn Monroe's cologne when you're in the house. Well, maybe not. Um you imagine. Still um, yeah, great space to work in. Yeah, yeah. So he he's uh he I just he's great. So oh, it was, yes it was it was such a thrill when you mentioned like the the people in this film and and it, it was such an honor to to be with these people to to be intimidated by these people to know that I'm the weak link like like these people are brilliant they've dedicated their lives to the things they do and and what an honor to be here. And a former and a former professor of mine, Edward Jones Imitep, who yeah. who you uh, uh, have in the film, and and yeah, I was it was wonderful to see him on screen, and and uh, yeah, so 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 good. And as I think you said earlier, um, uh, before we started recording, that he's yeah. way smarter than you are. Did did you make that comment, Larry? Was that you? Yeah, yeah, right. Well, I mean, they all are, but Edward That's is right. brilliant. <laughs> Edward is brilliant, and and he was the last one we filmed. There mm. there's certain gaps we felt in the film that we needed to cover, and so I, I went up with the writer Andrew Edmonds uh, to York University where he is, and spoke with him, and he just kept talking about things that it's like, oh my god, that'd be so good for the film, that'd be so good for the film. <laughs> That's great. Um, and you didn't even bring, and you didn't, and you didn't, and you didn't bring, and you didn't bring a camera with you the first time. You just <laughs> no, no, right. no. Got we it. brought him down to that beautiful museum, the the Moses and I. Oh, it's such a, yeah, such a wonderful shot. If you've yeah, got yeah, and he is great. I mean, he talks about so many things. We, we originally were going to talk about all kinds of stuff having to do with Plato's cave and mm. the shadows, mm -hmm. because our film starts in a cave. Yes, yeah. Um, so we thought it'd be an interesting metaphor, but but um, you know, some things go by the way. So just he a, knew a lot about that. Just so. wonderful to see him there. It really was, and I'm gonna re I'm gonna reach out to him as well. Um, I, you you had started to talk a little bit about Stalin and, and Hitler and, and and Trump and 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 maybe I, and I said something about motivation for the film. What what kind of drew you into this? Is is That's it so funny is, that you say that? I I um 
Is I, he... I often say that Donald Trump was my muse. Right. <laughs> it's a little because it's a little I, troubling, Larry. <laughs> I would wake up in the morning. <clears throat> first thing I would do, I'm not I don't officially follow him, but I would read Trump's tweets and I would become incensed. Mm. And mm. I do it first thing because I, I want to see what the news cycle is going to be and he dictates it with his inanities and, and, and his Sean Hannity's. Right. Um, right. and and uh I just um would be so incensed. And, and everyone around me noticed that when I was in a really bad mood and angry, I could suddenly write with a lot of lucidity. And I started writing what I called my, the manifesto for this film, which, um, which became much of the opening narration of the film and um, uh, spoken by me. I'm the narrator. I, I've never narrated a film before. I've never, I've never um, hmm. wanted my presence in the film. Mm. I never wanted to see me. I've never wanted to hear me. I've made 35 films, with a lot of them with extensive interviews, but I don't use my own question ever. I think my voice has crept in two or three times over all of those films. Suddenly I'm narrating, but mm. it became a very personal film in right, a way. Right. So, so personally, I had made film. I had made a film on uh, talking about Stalin. I, I had made a film about uh, the composer Dmitri Shostakovich and his struggles against Stalin and his the fact that he was nearly murdered for his strength of conviction and his through his art. Um, I made a Holocaust film called Inside Hannah's Suitcase, which is, follows this wonderful family through through their. Hmm trials and tribulations through to to Auschwitz and all of them dying hmm. except for one and uh well Hitler has entered a few of my films right um, I I made films about composers I a lot of films about composers Hans Eisler uh, who was a communist composer um and um Kurt Weill and Arnold Schoenberg and uh, all of these little people's lives is were touched it, by by of course Hitler's evil so is there is and, there, and I it, had seen you know, I'd seen Triumph of the Will again mm. as a teenager. I read Mein Kampf when I was 14. Mm -hmm. I saw the liberation of Auschwitz footage when I was eight. Like, it's something that you're aware of, the evil. And the, Night, Night and Fog has to be one of uh, my favorite yeah. documentary. Or I, can yeah. I say that's my favorite documentary? It's got to be one of the greatest documentaries It's incredible. Yeah, it really it's is. Yeah. You know who wrote the music for that was Hans Eisler, the person I just referred to that I made a film about. Oh, wow. Night the music is incredible in that too. So yeah. is that is is that the thread for you? Is that is it is it is it asking questions? Is it is it the skepticism, yes. the reason, the the rational side of you coming out, or is it about how did we how did you know same as same as um, um, uh, you know in in uh, Night and Fog, Elaine Renee, the question how how did we wind up here basically, right? That's yeah, and then and I ask that literally that we have to stop and question ourselves. How mm -hmm. do we get here? And then. And that's, these are big questions, and you know, saying a call to action, like, but what is that action? And and um, it's more a reaction, I think. It's more right. more the way in which we think as opposed to what we right. do. Um, yeah, I was imploding um, mm. inside. I, I originally we were asked to make a film, a different film, a film about a German film studio, which eventually became the most important studio um, before and during Hitler. Um, and and it turned out that someone else was making this film, and and we kind of I spoke to uh, the producer of the film, Escalus uh, Pulos, and and he, and I was getting all ah, somebody else is doing our film, and he said, well, why don't we take these that lemon and make lemonade? You've been talking about propaganda, you've been talking about art. Why don't we propose 
to Arte, the, the um, German-French co-producer who initiated this, uh, and then get TV Ontario involved and, and mm. various people. Why don't we talk about just doing a film about the art of propaganda and how propaganda propagates itself through art? And and I just thought, yes, yes. Uh, and then propaganda, the art of selling lies. And I was so I'm in a bad mood because not all propaganda <laughs> right. is lies, really. Right, right, right. Or or it is depending on. I mean, everything is lies if you think about. It. I mean. Is, and not all art is propaganda, maybe. But on the other hand, if you look at Monet's Water Lilies, it's like there's there's the antithesis to propaganda. Or is it? Because those water lilies are so idealized, there's none of the slime and the, and the insects and the, the gross stuff, the flies that usually aren't. These are idealized. Mm. This is propaganda. It's propaganda for water lilies. We love water lilies partly because we see it through Monet's palette. This is my theory. So it, it's no, it's it's, it, it's really interesting. Did did you go back to uh, John Berger's book, um, Ways of Seeing It All? Did that did that come up in conversation? That's, That's that, so you know, funny. I no, I didn't. And yet, it's a book I read very when I was really young. So I, I well, the I reason I ask, it. and honestly, it just I, I didn't even I didn't even scribble this down in my notes. But I remember, you know, there's certain quotes that you remember, and this is the purpose of publicity is to promote in the spectator a marginal sense of dissatisfaction, and that's kind of I mean, your film is a is kind of about that in a way, yeah. right? Yeah. Like yeah. it's fascinating to see how you present Stalin and and the reverence for this guy, and then. Not even was it three years later how 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 you know the the house of cards fell. Yes, that's right. Right. Yes, it, and it's, it's amazing that it took three years between right, his death right. and the twentieth party congress when the people said, "By the way, he killed twenty or thirty million people right, right. Uh, of our countrymen." Um, and then people went, "Oh, that's not good." Right. Um, and, <laughs> yeah, and Berger's point is is we're selling something, right? So this sense of dissatisfaction, you guys are dissatisfied. I'm your man. I'm your woman. I'm the one who's going to make everything better. Yeah. Well, you know, it's it's true that that uh, it's, uh, I mean, no, you know, I used to. I was going to have a section about. Um, uh, demagogues and about right. figureheads, and I was going to include Colonel Sanders because I, <laughs> I saw uh, an image of Colonel Sanders where he's holding the hands of children, and it was identical to to or, or, or sorry, and and Ronald McDonald holding children's hands. It looks like it's by the same artist who did this famous portrait of Stalin that we did, and I, maybe it was. Um, and of course, Ronald McDonald is is the Hitler of of cows, and 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 Colonel <laughs> Sanders the Hitler of chickens. So. This all this whole vegetarian thing maybe does permeate in the end. That's right. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I you know, I'm somebody who doesn't like to make documentaries that are entirely earnest. Mm. I find sometimes when I go to a documentary festival, I'm watching a lot of films that are beautiful films, but I'm I'm breathless and it's like wide eyed and it's like, Yes, this is an issue that we have to know about and propaganda is that and, and this this assault of propaganda is that but i want there to be humor and i want there right. to be edge and i want there to be wit and i want to be representational i don't want to be all one point of view so i do introduce a right-wing artist or or compliment um Rene life uh Rene, uh Reifenstahl. yeah oh my god um lenny lenny Reifenstahl. um and and i you know 
so it's it's about different things. Which is, you know, you, it's interesting you bring her up, and you mentioned you 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 had seen that uh, maybe not that long ago, and it's been a few years since I've seen the film, and it's a commitment. I think it's about a three-hour film, uh, Triumph, mm-hmm. Triumph yeah. of the Will. But seeing some of the images in your film just reminded me how how well crafted it is, and how how beautiful in a way it is, and 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 yet she went to her death saying this wasn't a propaganda piece, That's right? right? Yeah, her death at over age 100. Yeah, remarkable. Yeah, yeah, and her husband is still there um, collecting the um, yeah, royalties for the film. The for, fact that it was commissioned by Hitler and that they disturbing. were able to maintain this this is, is well. The f- and, it, and, it, and she was so young. You you raised the point of her her age and how much money she had and the freedom she had and and the joy she took in making this film. Yes, but but didn't regard it to be propaganda. This, I'm just an artist. Right. Um, but, um, you know, when she made that film, uh, Dachau concentration camp had already opened a year before. I mean, I don't think people were oblivious to that. And, right, and, right. Um, but they pretended to be. Or they, but, you know. Well, and now we're kind of back to personal responsibility, it seems to yes. me, and the choice and stepping yeah. into something. And we, we I, I so love the, um, and I, I, my listeners will have heard me quote this before, but it's, it's Levinas, the French philosopher, who's, who said, you know, the face speaks and what it says, thou shalt not kill. And he, he, he talks about that in relation to, to Dostoevsky's notion about responsibility and how we're all, we're all kind of responsible. You know, yeah. in our in our own way, and then he says, "And I more than the rest," and so he shines the light. You know what I mean? Back on himself yeah. even more, and I think that's yes. what you've done with this film. Yeah, it's funny when you speak about these things. I, I um, I'm very aware of of how expansive the subject is and how contained we are within this ninety right. minutes. And, right. And I'm reading Crime and Punishment right now. Oh wow. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, Dostoevsky. So, so, <clears throat> and things about notes from the underground, and which is which is maybe even more fascinating. But um, not right now. I'm actually talking to you right now. I'm not reading Dostoevsky. Um, but. But yeah, I mean, the, by the way, we're, we're actually having serious talks now. Uh, having done this film, the co-producers are very happy with it. We had a German co-production company as well, Taglicht uh, Films, Daylight. Um, and uh, there's, people are so pleased with the film that we're having serious talks about creating a series based on it. Oh, um, wow. Because, because we had so many divisions. We initially conceived it as a series, and then we changed it into a 90 Um that's but, amazing. Uh, yeah. yeah, you got like like you just said there is the, I mean what you compressed into 90 minutes could could easily be turned into a series it seems to me it'd be fascinating. And, the, yes. and I mean you, you Lloyd Jones how old is he 104 act, the actor is that his name Lloyd Jones did I Norman Norman Lloyd. Sorry Norman Lloyd. <laughs> Why did I see Lloyd Jones? Jones? Where did so Lloyd now Jones everybody you have to add Jones to everybody's name. That's right. Yes. 104 um, worked with Charlie Chaplin. Yeah. I mean yes. that whole worked piece with Charlie Chaplin. he he um he also yes he did but he, and he worked with um he he <laughs> he worked with Orson Welles in 1937 on Broadway uh where he uh he did uh, was in Julius Caesar which was a metaphor for fascism and uh and then he did a lot of, I mean we we barely cover his Well that's life. that's I, what I, I mean I, you you got a whole segment yeah. just on on that alone yeah. it seems to me right Well that's the thing we did about I did about 2 hour interviews with each person oh, and then wow. I think they're in the film for like two and a half minutes or 3 minutes and uh um, Norman Lloyd's amazing. I mean, he he actually was offered a role in Citizen Kane, um, one of the major roles, 
Um, but he had better work to do than that, so he did a different project. And I got um, that right, right? He was a better work. Yeah, he was 100, 104, right? He's 104. 104. Yeah, I saw wow. him. I went and visited him a couple of months ago in Los Angeles uh, with my wife, and, and so great. he was so wonderful, and he looked at me at the, as I was getting ready to leave, and he said, Larry, promise me you'll come to my next birthday, his 105th <laughs> birthday. I'm going to have 300 guests. Oh, that's awesome. That's so great. And you can imagine who those guests are. I mean, the last film he was in, he, he's been, he has a sad card since 1932, so he's the longest working actor in American history. Wow. And um, although he hasn't actually been in a film since 2015, so it's, it's not like he's that current. Well, what, what, um, what, was, so, what was so great with, with Amy Schumer? What was so great about um, the interview with him was how, how you, and I had forgotten at the end of The Great Dictator where Charlie Chaplin sort of speaks to the, to the audience. That, that must have been one of the first times that's ever really happened, that sort of yeah. just shocking you out of that, that world. But he that's really right. talks about what a, a, I don't know if he says beautiful moment, but what it's a, kind of the implication was this was a profound thing that was going on here yes. in this film. That's right. It's also the first time Charlie Chaplin overtly talked. Right, um, right. And after he was the most famous, you know, silent person, uh, silent uh, actor, and it's 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 quite remarkable is it, that 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 film and and uh, I mean you know Norman Lloyd's biggest connection with Charlie Chaplin was they were tennis buddies, and and that he played tennis better than Charlie Chaplin, so Charlie Chaplin kept challenging him to more and more tennis so Charlie could win. So funny. Um, <laughs> That's great. That's great. Which is which is something wonderful. So yeah. the little the, the that little nice sports like segue to the end of the film is could be quite possibly the most absurd thing that I've ever seen. I had no idea. <laughs> I had no idea that car races were occurring at Nuremberg like that. Yeah, it's, so it's precisely like you see Triumph of the Will earlier in the film, yeah, yeah. And, and Hitler at the podium, and then that same podium is at the end of the film. And they, they converted it right after the war. Americans actually promoted this. They, they converted it to a car race. And and to kind of help erase the history, they had this mm. other. Whereas before they were against races, certain races. Now they were promoting a different kind of race. Um, so uh, that's, well, the yeah. woman and the woman that you interview, she says, yeah. "Isn't it wonderful?" You know, basically the cars drown out the history. That's right. Wow, that's right. Did you? It's you, a bit facile. I'm not sure that it's exactly true. But, no, I hope not. Yeah. No, it was very haunting. I, I went when I was there. There were these plaques with Hitler um, in the same places where he stood, um, and and you could actually kind of see through. The plaques were sort of semi-transparent, and I I could see the car race through Hitler. Um, we wow. we tried to shoot it. It didn't quite work because of the way the plaque is. But it's it's a very ominous thing. That well, it's was, very disturbing. Yeah, on yeah. It, and so many levels. I've I've been working in. Uh, development, and as my listeners will know, in Cambodia for years, and I remember visiting Pol Pot's grave for the first time, oh. and how surreal and bizarre that was, and just yeah. over and up the hill, and I could see it, they were actually starting to build a casino uh, right next to, I mean, we're in the middle of rural Cambodia, you know, 75 cents a day at best in this area, and we've got the Thai border I could throw a baseball to, and people are wandering wow. over eventually, and I'm I'm at Pol Pot's grave, I mean, how I mean, it just, I mean, I guess, you know, in a sense, life goes on, I suppose. But, but yeah, I mean, this is, this is the stuff that, that the future is made of. And that is, you know, being able to, to remember where we came from. Right. And uh, anyway, it's just, there's a, there's this paradox and almost satirical absurdity to it, which you, you bring out so beautifully in the film. Mm, Yeah. Well, 
that's that's nice of you to say. It, it is, you know, it, it, these films they get very heavy and they get yeah, compounded yeah. and they get, they're cumulative. The effect is a cumulative sure. effect. So you have to have some of that absurdity, and 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 the person who brings this uh, heavy metal group to, right. to uh, <laughs> North Korea. <laughs> I forgot about that too. By the way, that's just yeah. crazy talk that that ever actually even happened. It's it's weird. It's like some weird candid camera idea. Let's take a, a group that is playing music that is the exact opposite of North Korean propagandistic music, and here yet here's a group that that looks like their uniforms are fascist, and this won't look good, say the officials, and and then they play this music, and the people in the audience are both cynical and enthralled at the same time. Yes, yes, and maybe it causes some kind of sense of you know. Skepticism. That is very healthy. I couldn't. You know, we talk about words like cynical or skeptical yeah. as as on as oh, those are negative words. No, in in certain cases, and in the case of propagandistic things, they're 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 very healthy. Yeah. What kind of what I'm kind of music? In my room, right? You know, you know, I'm in my office, and there's um, I have um, a, a banner uh, to uh, Lenin because mm. I got in Soviet Union when, I, and then I have a statue of of, of Mao right. who's holding a button with with. Um, the hope button of um, of Obama, right. and and then there's a little Stalin statue I have, and then I have this big mask with uh, Donald of Donald Trump. So I'm I'm uh, next to a Russian. You're in, you're uh, in good company, Larry. <laughs> I I I was able to go to Beijing uh, uh, with Elizabeth, my wife, uh, quite a few years ago now, and, mm-hmm. and was uh, insistent on buying a copy of uh, an original copy of Mao's Red Book. Mm. So I've that's my my uh, and and then was just kind of blown away at how you could get Mao on a cheap Bic lighter or on a Zippo lighter. I mean, you could get. I mean, never mind buttons. I mean, Mao's picture was everywhere. Just, no, I know. I went to uh, the artist colony, the artist colony there, and they there was alternated pictures of that were in uh, any Warhol style of Mao and Marilyn Monroe checkerboarded. Wow! And I thought, is this not subversive? Yeah. How, how does this work? Yeah, yeah. When you were there, did you get to visit Mr. Uh, did you get to so, visit Mao? So I wish uh, we had. I wish we had footage of it. But we are. We probably could have gotten into some trouble for this. But we're running across Tiananmen Square trying to get. We know it's closing. And we run up, and I'm not kidding. The gate is closing, and oh. I'm and I'm now talking to this Chinese official, probably military, trying to get him to let us in, and oh. and wanting to like even pull out a bribe because we 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 need to see Mao's tomb, yeah. right? We need yeah. anyway. We, so the short answer is no. We didn't make oh, it. Oh, we didn't. I went twice. So oh I wow, just not pogged. I should have given you one of those visits. <laughs> he, right. he, Mao looks great. He's never looked healthier. Oh wow, good for him. Uh, uh, unlike Lenin, if you've seen Lenin in, in, in Moscow, he's, he looks very waxed. And I, I actually was trying to see if there was a wick on top of his head. I thought it was a candle. Um, but, but, uh, wow. but then again, he died a while before what, Matt. What I, what I want to know is, do they use ethical makeup? <laughs> that's, that's what I'm kind of interested in. But, uh, yeah. Maybe not in China. Maybe not in China. No, maybe not. <laughs> Maybe not. Maybe not in Moscow. Larry, what a what a what a pleasure chatting with you today. I I've had so much fun, and and what a and what a I, and what a beautiful. I mean, it's a beautiful film. It's a brilliant film. It's it's an important film. It's something that everybody needs to see. It's about it's about asking questions and about. I mean, it's about being present. You know, and 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 so anyway, so 
for what it's worth, man. I have man, to tell you, yeah, I, I, I mentioned that I, I went in there intimidated because each of the subjects is so brilliant and, and they've done their things. And they're, sure. so, they're just, whether it's, it's the philosopher, Rebecca Goldstein, or whether it's, um, you know, Shepard Ferry, the artist, or, or, or Highway Way, or, or, the or, my form, or my former professor, Edward. Yes, yes. <laughs> or, or Adam Phillips, who's the yep. most brilliant uh, psychiatrist in the, in the world. And, 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 and the list goes on and on because there were a lot of them. But, but um, I found that people just really enjoyed talking about this. And the interviews ended up going much longer than ha- had been originally sort of scheduled because it was just so much fun in a way. Um, and, and so I think there's a certain joy or certain, I don't know, almost a joie de vivre. Um, even, even talking to Gerard Bayard, who's the editor in chief of Charlie Hebdo, who, who of course, you know, most of the people that worked for him were, were slaughtered, mm-hmm. um, after, you know, with the, and, and, um, because of the propaganda or because they were propagandistic. Right, right. I mean, so, so it's very grim themes. Yet, yet it was it, the process of making the film was joyous, and and well, the clue that I had was so well. Great it, and it comes sense. out, it comes out in a variety of ways, and uh, uh, you've injected life into a pretty pretty difficult subject, it seems to me. And um, so, so just to be clear, I mean, propaganda, the art of selling lies. It's premiering at Hot Docs coming up yes, in sir. the very near future. April twenty eighth uh, is a- the premiere. April twenty eighth, and then. Um, uh, Potentially a theatrical release down the road. Yeah, it'll be at Doxa, the Vancouver festival, um, the following week uh, after Hot Docs, and then, and then I, I believe May seventeenth is what they're scheduling right mm-hmm. now for so, a theatrical release. Well, and I wish you um, well, and I wish you well with the TV series. I hope that pl- plays out. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I was hesitant. I don't like to repeat things, but but since I already did a propaganda project in in high school, I guess now this will be the third in my series. There you of go. Propaganda trilogy, project. trilogy. <laughs> That's right. We've been talking you, talking with Larry Weinstein today about his new film, Propaganda: The Art of Selling Lies. Thanks, thanks for your time today, Larry. Really my pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.